Greetings, everyone. I am Lynn Gilliland, and this is the podcast, Lessons from Leaders, where we talk to amazing people about leadership. And this is a podcast of my company, Lynn Gilliland Consulting. And I welcome you because in this episode, which is in two parts, we're, we're talking to Christine So, who is the CEO of Humantum. And uh, it's excellent, who is also a sponsor. Humantum also sponsors the podcast. So we are so pleased to have her. It's an excellent episode. She has so much experience and so much courage. Um, I know you're going to enjoy it. And I also just wanted to mention our second sponsor, which is Chester Elton, the author of Leading with Gratitude. Excellent book. I highly recommend it. I've been giving it out, out to my clients and friends. Please get yourself a copy. And thanks so much and enjoy this episode. Welcome back everyone to Lessons from Leaders. And we are so really honored to have Christine So here, who is the president and CEO. Is it president and CEO? It is, yeah. Of Humantum. And they are, as I will, I have said in the introduction, that they are a sponsor of ours, a great friend of ours. And we are so honored, Christine, to have you come and talk to us. Um, we are taping this in July of 2020, so some of the current events will probably show up in our conversation. But welcome, Christine. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And um, to start with, how about you tell us how you got here? So you're trajectory. Um, so Humantim is a membership organization. You can talk mm -hmm. about that. And your background is public health, right? Yeah. So I guess I've had a fairly straightforward career in public health, but it took a wild turn kind of coming over to Humantim, um, except for me, it makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically I started out working in um, HIV and disease surveillance. Um, I'm getting my kind of 15 minutes of fame, uh, you know, giving my friends advice as an epidemiologist during the pandemic these days. Um, so I have a PhD in epidemiology and um, worked first on the technical side of things and then moved into management and the donor side. Um, I spent about 15 years in West Africa, worked for USAID and UNICEF, heading up um, health programs for them. And um, so... I've had a great trajectory um, working kind of all sides of the house. So having an idea about, you know, how things work from different perspectives and that getting, getting that approach, getting that perspective was something that was very important to me and that I, um, you know, was, I think, fairly deliberate about doing. Um, so uh, I moved back to the U.S. nine years ago and continued working with INGOs here. I was um, the president and CEO of the Global Health Council from 2013 to 2016, and um, that was to relaunch the Global Health Council. And GHC is a membership organization um, that does primarily advocacy and policy work around global health. Um, but that was my first work in the membership world and really working across, um, you know, a large uh, group of member organizations and really thinking about what it means to have constituents and how to, um, you know, really um, put together a kind of hub approach as a member organization that then can serve a wider audience. 
Um, from there, I was at PSI as the chief operating officer for a couple of years, um, did some work at Palladium, and here I am at Humentum. And um, as I said earlier, I mean, my move to Humentum made sense for me because um, as an epidemiologist, I'm trained in being quite orderly in my thinking and um, really thinking about systems and processes. Um, I've done a lot of work in health systems and also really am very, have always been very interested in efficiencies and accountability. Um, at Global Health Council, I did a lot of work with civil society and their participation in accountability systems at the global level. Um, and so, you know, coming over to Humentum to head up um, the organization and, and to interact with all of our organizational members was a chance for me to really think about how can we help others, um, you know, not just to prove their efficiency, but do it in a way that, that um, allows us to be accountable to our stakeholders and our constituents and our donors. Um, and that allows us hopefully to be more effective in the things that we do because we have fewer headaches on the bureaucracy and administrative side of things. Um, and so I've been at Humentum now for a little over eight months, um, totally enjoying it and feel like I've really landed in the right place. And I am oh so thankful for all the people I work with because um, you know, they, they are what makes this journey so enjoyable. And throughout, you know, the challenge of the last four months, which, you know, I only recently recognized was more than half my tenure at Humentum, um, you know, the, having this really awesome team has helped um, us weather these challenges and really, I, I actually think it's brought us together to be a more cohesive team. And for those of you who knew Humentum um, prior to our current form, um, you know, we're made up of a, from a merger of three legacy organizations. And I think when I joined Humentum, we were still kind of looking for our identity and there was still a lot of reference to the legacy organizations. And frankly, um, the way that we have worked together throughout the pandemic has allowed us to just really come together as one new organization. And I think that we very much feel and recognize that internally and our members from what I hear from them are recognizing that in terms of our external face as well. So that's been a really good thing for us. Yeah, there's so much in there. I, I, <laughs> I love your staff of all the staff I've met, just a shout out to them. I, they're all, fabulous, high quality, relational. It's about the relationship. That's my yeah. impression you guys have created from where I sit on the outside of working with many of them. It's a such a positive, supportive culture, at least to the stakeholders of those of us out here. Um, I wanted to, I'm thinking about you in two levels. One is in your job supporting leaders um, and what your aspire for leaders in, in the global development sector is one place and the second place is your own leadership. Mm -hmm. And so if we could start with the, what do you see like leading now in a crisis, crisis is even though it's becoming normalized now or four or five months in, mm -hmm. what do you see as the strengths that leaders need to have right now, either what you see showing up or what you aspire for, for leaders? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's certainly something I think about a lot, but I will put myself and my own leadership into that bucket as well, because I have many of the same challenges. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, as we've seen throughout history, you know, there are opportunities to be had in crises, um, whether it's just making sure that you can get your organization and your people through that crisis intact, which is no small feat. And, you know, no one should feel bad if that's all they do. Um, or if it's thinking about like, is there a way I can totally transform my organization um, because of the moment that we find ourselves in? And, you know, I think um, when I think about the discussions that I have with the Humentum CEOs who I meet with regularly, um, and just the conversations that I have with my peers and my friends, you know, I think um, we are having to find this balance between uh, leading in a crisis, but also running this like ultra marathon where they haven't told you where the end is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we trained for a 5k, but actually, you know, we're on kilometer 42 and we're still going and, you know, you're just trying to marshal your energy and, um, think about how you kind of get to the next stop and the next, you know, water stop. Sorry, I'm a runner. So this comes naturally to me as an analogy. Um, you know, but how do you get to the next water stop and then keep going again? Um, and so, you know, we're all struggling with that. And I think, um, you know, I, I hope that what Humentum can bring to our member organizations and to our member CEOs is, um, a space to reflect around that and um, a peer group to be able to talk to about it and, you know, share, I think, you know, the, the value of being able to share our experiences and, you know, what we've tried and what worked and what didn't um, is invaluable. And CEOs typically, you know, they don't have peers within their own organization. And so that makes it, that can make it very lonely at times. Um, so, you know, I, but I think also along with that is this idea that we can be transformational. And um, if we want to be transformative leaders, thinking about, you know, what is it that we can take on? Um, how do we put parameters around what it is that we want to do to change our organizations in such a way that, you know, we're stretching, but we're not stretching so far that it's just going to, you're going to fall flat. Um, and I think that, again, rightly so, and there should be no um, shame or embarrassment in this, it's scary and people feel fear and think, you know, like, Ugh, what, the, what is the board going to say? Or am I going to, you know, lead my organization in a direction that ends up meaning that we don't survive when if we'd done something else, we could have survived? Um, you know, and so those are all the questions that I think many leaders are asking themselves today and wake up in the middle of the night thinking about and um and so that's where you know i just come back to this idea of you know working with peer groups and working with mentors or um you know coaches like, like you or you know just trying to you don't have to do it by yourself and um reaching out and being part of those discussions or asking those questions whether it's in a group or whether you're reaching out individually to somebody um 
can be just incredibly important to help give you either some guidance or else just some reinforcement that, you know, you're not crazy and being worried about these things and, um, you know, how do you and, and how you should choose to go forward. And I want to underline that because to me, what, what you said is so critical. It's when we don't share, the thing gets bigger and bigger and we feel more isolated and we think there's something wrong with us or it's when we share that it diminishes, we realize it's normal, we're normal. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I, it's just so important right now. I, I'm remembering, Christine, the, you and I were in a group of a, discussing next steps or where to go from here with a bunch of handful of CEOs. And some of them were more thinking about big next steps and others were like, how do I work in September when some of my staff have kids at home? I mean, it was that whole range and all of that is okay. Wherever you are, it's normal. It's, and as soon as we normalize it, then we have ideas and can go forward. Otherwise we get in our little ball and, and are, are not our creative selves. There's all brain science around that, but I yeah. wanted to pull out what you said, not letting fear drive us into the cave. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you deal with that your own self? Because we all have fear. So I know that you must have it now yeah. and again. Well, so I have to say, I mean, I just feel so fortunate. I already talked about my staff, but I've got great staff and I've got a great senior leadership group. And, um, and frankly, I have been in work situations where that was not the case. So I know what it's like to try and confront challenges when you don't have that supportive structure. Um, so frankly, I just feel really, really fortunate for where I find myself. And Frank and my board also has been very supportive. So, that has given me a head start. Um, I, for a long time, I think, have embraced the idea of, you know, needing to forgive yourself. Mm. And, um, and it's a lot easier to say than to do, but kind of trying to do reality checks and like just check in and say like, oh, am I beating myself up again about something? Like, do I really control that? Um, I love, you know, I read something in the New York Times a long time ago that somebody, I think it was in their Lily column, which is their kind of feminist column, was saying, you know, like, women beat themselves up too much about things like I could have done this, I should have done that. And this writer said, you know, give yourself seven seconds. Permit yourself seven seconds to beat yourself up as hard as you want and then move on. And I, you know, that was just one of those things that really stuck with me. And so I try and do that. It's like, okay, I'm going to be like just awful with myself for a few seconds. And then I'm just going to put it in a box and move on and, and try and learn from it, but not keep flagellating myself about it. Um, so that's helped me with this. And then I think the other thing, you know, as schmarmy as it might sound, you know, is I've got a great family. They are very supportive. Um, I've got great dogs who are, you know, unconditional love, you know, but I take, I, I take that where I can get it. I go for long walks with them. And occasionally I get in my car and I go drive and I turn the music up as loud as possible. I roll down the windows and I 
primal scream in my car. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's kind of different things for different moments. And thank you for sharing that. And that was, you know, that was not a, that you didn't know I was going to ask you such a personal question. And what I wanted, what's important about what you're saying is, you know, you need to take care of yourself. We all know the metaphor of being on the plane and putting your mask on first. If you, Christine, aren't taking care of yourself, you're going to be useless to anybody else. If you're yeah. passed out in the seat because you were trying to get somebody else's oxygen mask on, you're of no use to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, thanks for, for letting us know your own strategies. Yeah. Um, actually, Lynn, if I may, just adding one other thing, which is, I mean, again, I think this is something that we've seen pop up, you know, in social media and in the literature over the last several months, but I think it is just so important is that, you know, we all bring our kind of professional selves to work, but we have this whole, you know, rest of our lives going on behind what we're seeing. And, um, and I know I do, and I've had my own, you know, personal challenges over the last months and just like everybody else. And so again, just kind of trying to, when I start going down the road of being upset with somebody or whatever, just kind of trying to take a deep breath and think about like all the stuff I don't know. Right. That's a good reminder. You and I also talked, and you touched on a little bit here, um, and we have talked about transactional and transformative leader. You just talked a little bit about um, transformative or transformational leadership. Can you like hold up both of those and tell us what you see as the difference and um, where you would like to see leadership go? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, I and I don't even know, I, I don't know if this is a real term or if I just call it this, but, you know, I talk about transactional leadership as being kind of, you know, it's the day-to-day. -day. It's like, um, you know, getting the documents together for the board book, and it's chairing your all-staff meeting, and it's, you know, those kinds of things where you are leading, and you are making decisions about, you know, the tone you want to set, and the positioning, and what you want to say, and that sort of thing, um, but it is not... Um, fundamentally changing the nature or the core of what you're doing or your organization. Um, and, and it's absolutely critical and necessary. I mean, you can't only be a transformational, a transformative leader. You have to do the transactional stuff too. And you spend most of your time doing the transactional stuff. Um, but, you know, then when I think about being a transformative leader, it's really about saying, I'm going to take a really deep, naked look at where we're at, which will include stuff that I probably don't want to see and may not like, and maybe hard to see. I mean, sometimes it takes an external eye to actually be able to expose what it is that may be fundamentally not okay with the way that you're working. Um, and then think about, okay, well, I'm going to change the status quo. I'm going to shift in a in a way that kind of rewrites our DNA and so there's and I, I have been thinking about this in kind of three buckets and this has been and this is the way we're working at it at Humentum in response to all of the issues that have been raised again from the Black Lives Matter movement 
Um, I mean, we'd already been thinking about gender and using gender as kind of a proxy for everything else, but now we're thinking more explicitly about all sorts of different categories. Um, but I, I've been thinking about it with three buckets. One bucket is um, internally. What do our policies look like? What, is our, what do our accountability mechanisms look like? How do we, and how do we action our policies? Mm. Um, and in this case, specifically around diversity, um, uh, equity, and inclusion. Um, and then the other two buckets are external, but there's a bit of a nuance between the two. One is, in the case of Humentum, what are those things that we are offering to our members and the community that are um, resources, tools, learning, convening around DEI? And, um, you know, what do we have on offer already? What does the community need? Can we offer it? You know, making decisions about that sort of stuff. Um, and, and how far will we go in offering that stuff? But the other piece, which is also external, is then thinking about who is Humentum reaching and how are we doing it? So, you know, in our world, kind of, I think we could call, you know, the, the international NGO community and especially the U.S. and U.K.-based INGO community as our low-hanging fruit. We already have very long, solid, wonderful relationships with a lot of INGOs, um, and we absolutely want to keep working with them. But for us, our challenge is thinking about, we have a lot to offer, which is really important, especially in a time where organizations are having to, you know, fight for their lives and think about sustainability and everything else. And, you know, how are we reaching organizations and communities that may not have easy access to us? either for financial reasons or bandwidth reasons or just not knowing about what we can offer. So how are we structuring that offer? How are we reaching out to communities? How are we making ourselves accessible if a community or an organization wants to be part of us? Can they have that access or do we have to change something to allow for that to happen? So that's the third bucket. And then along with that is thinking about how does all of that together allow us to hopefully be transformational in the sector and help the sector move towards being more diverse, more inclusive, and more equitable as a sector. So answering some of those very um, pointed and difficult questions around decolonizing global development um, and you know what can what is Humentum's role in that? So I, I guess I've given our own um, example to answer your question. I have to say, you know, we are absolutely at the beginning of this journey. We are working through this. We don't have all the answers. Um, but, you know, we've put together a framework to help us think through how to be transformative. And, um, you know, I, and part of that is that we will set milestones for ourselves that, you know, in six months, a year, we can be public about our journey and about where we've gotten and what our challenges have been. And what I love about you outlining the work that you're doing is it helps us hear the questions that you're asking. And I, I think that helps un, un, see into your mind about what is transform, transformational, trans, 
um, transformative leadership. So it's asking these curious questions that keep reviewing where you are and if it's where you need to be. Um, we have about one more minute. So I don't know if you can answer this, but if you had to do like one or two words for what, so when you're transform, transactional leader and you're transform, transformational leader, I'm envisioning those are call and pull out different qualities, leadership attributes from you. Mm -hmm. So what would be like one or two words or phrases for a transactional leader, what that needs, and then what a transformational or transformative leader, what, so how about that? Okay. Um, <laughs> so challenge. I kind of think that most of the things that you need for being transactional, you need for being transformative. Oh, darn. I was thinking but I have other things for being transformative. But okay, good. I, so for transformative, I think it's, you know, be having a vision, having courage mm. to, you know, recognize your fear and work through it, um, being collaborative, seeking out other voices and other opinions besides your own. Um, being transactional, I think, is probably about being, you know, organized and listening and taking action, um, but probably not going as but but not going as far as what you need to do for transformative. And then I would say across the whole thing is um, being publicly accountable. I'm so glad I asked you that. That was <laughs> really interesting. Thank you. And so um, we would love to talk to you more. We will talk to you again because since you're our sponsor, I'm hoping we can get you back. Sure. And uh, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom um, and for leading an organization that's so important to the INGO community and just for your own, you know, what you bring. You just bring so much of yourself and, and I appreciate it. Thank so, you, Lynn. Yeah, this is a pleasure. Yeah.